0: Anyway, here we are in Exodus 13. It says in verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, And we'll look at what he said to Moses here in a second, but notice the word then, and this implies something happened before this. And the last three weeks we looked at what came before this then. We had seen that the Lord had brought a series of plagues upon Egypt because Pharaoh hardened his heart to God and would not let the people of Israel go. He would not let the people of God go. And so the Lord brought this final plague, and He said, when this plague comes, not only will you be let go, but Pharaoh is going to drive you out of the land. And we know that that which He brought was the Passover. He really wanted the Israelites to understand that they were sinners too. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, and a sacrifice needed to be made for their sin. And it needed to be a lamb without spot, without blemish. And he told them to take this lamb into their home, and on the 10th day, on the 14th day, to sacrifice it, and remember, take the blood and put it over their doorposts, so when the Lord passed through Egypt, they would be passed over, thus the term Passover. And they would be passed over because there would be that sign on their doorposts, first of all, that they acknowledged that they were a sinner, and they needed a sacrifice without spot or blemish, a sinless sacrifice to take their place. It was also a sign that they had faith in the Word of God and that gospel message that He put forward to them that they could be saved. He said, If you don't do this, the firstborn in the households that do not put the blood over their doorposts, they would lose their lives. And basically, this comes down because of sin. So they had a choice to make. Did they want to trust in God and the Word of God or continue in a place of rebellion? and reject this good news that God had given to them to bring life, and then also to bring deliverance for Israel. We know the Israelites, they trusted in the Lord. And they put that lamb over their, the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. It says the Egyptians, though, did not. And there was great welling that night there in Egypt as the Lord passed through the land. He did not hold back the devourer from the house of the Egyptians. And so there was great grief. And indeed, as God said what happened, not only did Pharaoh let them go, he drove them out. Remember, they were driven out with great wealth. And that great wealth did not come from them rioting in Ramses's downtown, breaking glass windows and taking big screen TVs. But they left with that great wealth because it was back pay. And in God's economy, when we look at these things eternally, doesn't always, you know what, work out in our life and that's okay. But God's economy, listen, the books are always balanced. And God always takes what's His. And absolutely, the Bible even says that the wicked store up their wealth for the righteous. We probably won't see that wealth here in this life. That's okay because, listen, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have all that we need in Him. Amen? Amen. Now, again, this apocalyptic-type night had taken place. And then it's so comforting because the first thing we read in the next chapter is then... The Lord spoke to Moses. Again, we'll look at what he says here in a minute, but there's just something incredibly comforting about the Lord speaking to his people, especially in the midst of these types of things taking place and unfolding. Absolutely, we're living in a time of peril. We're living in a time where we are seeing Jerusalem, a cup of trembling. We're living in a time where we're seeing many prophecies unfolding, the love of many growing cold and so forth. But listen... We got God's word open up tonight, and God is speaking to us through the scriptures. Incredible comfort found in that. In fact, listen to Romans fifteen four. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And contrast this, Egypt's in a place of death. Why? Because of the rebellion. Because... They chose not to humble their heart before the Lord, even though the Lord had given them ample opportunity over and over and over again. And so now they're in the place where they are reaping what they sowed. There's death there, and there is no hope there. There's despair. Meanwhile, the Israelites trusted in the Lord. They put their faith in the message that God gave them to put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. And now on top of that, listen, not only have they been delivered from the bondage of Egypt, But the Lord is speaking to them, and their hearts are full of hope. Let's be a people in the Word of God. Let's walk in the hope of the Scriptures, the comfort of the Scriptures. And listen, the Lord wants to speak to us. We just need to open up the Word of God and let Him do that. Why wouldn't we do that daily in our lives? Be foolish not to. And if you haven't been, I encourage you to get back to being in the Word daily, not out of doing some task, not out of some legalistic checklist, but because the God who made you wants to speak to you concerning himself and his love for you and the plan that he has for you according to the scriptures, which is so much better than anything that we can, and I'll use this word deliberately, conjure up. Notice what he says. Consecrate to to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. And listen, there's multiple reasons for this. I want to look at two main reasons. The first reason I want to look at is the more minor one. And in a little bit here, we'll look at the more major reason for this, that the Lord would want for them to consecrate the firstborn of whatever was born to the Lord. Now, he just gave them a lesson of this. Because, again, the firstborn there in Egypt, or whoever did not put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost lost their life. Again, remember from Pharaoh's household, household to the person that was in prison, and all the livestock. And the Lord was sending a message. He was saying, listen, the firstborn belong to me. The firstfruits belong to me. There in Israel, when they shed the blood of that lamb and put it over their doorposts, again, there was a sacrifice for the firstborn. That lamb was given in place of them as they put faith again in the word that God gave to them. But we got to understand, again, listen, this principle that's being played out here, it's true across the board. Do you know tonight that, listen, well, it all belongs to the Lord. It's all His. All of this is His. Everything that we have is His, and we're going to give an account to Him for that. But He absolutely has called us to give of our first fruits to Him. And there's some people, listen, they don't like this because there are individuals that so distort these principles biblically, but we can't allow those that distort these biblical principles to fleece the flock, to take away from the truth that, listen, the first of our fruits belong to the Lord. It all belongs to Him, but He's called us to, again, consecrate the first of our lives, the first of, again, our time and so forth and treasures. They're called to be given to Him. And absolutely, we can either... Choose joyfully to do that, knowing, again, there will be a multiplication back to us. Now, again, it's either here or there, and we'll talk about what that multiplication oftentimes looks like, or we can hold back, but no, listen, when we hold back what belongs to Him, God eventually is going to take it. His books always balance. Notice Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And then in Haggai 1.3, then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and the simple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Notice here, you have so much and bring in little. It sounds the opposite of Proverbs, right? You so much bring a little and Proverbs, it says, give the first fruits and you'll bring in much. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earn wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now listen, I have heard many a Christian stand up and completely reject these truths and these principles by saying that's an Old Testament concept. That does not apply to New Testament believers. But as we open the Word of God and we open the New Testament, not only did we see this absolutely put forth as it is in the Old Testament, but it's added to. Again, Matthew 6.33, Jesus is talking about them worrying about material things. Will we have enough to eat? Will we have clothing on our back and so forth? And in Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Your needs will be provided for if you seek first the kingdom of God. Now, if I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, and the Lord has called me to seek first the kingdom of God, does that not include my first fruits? I've heard people say, well, you know what, again, it doesn't apply. And I'll ask him, then, what do you make of this? Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God. Doesn't that mean in all that you have, you want to give unto the Lord First, well, that doesn't apply to my wallet. That doesn't apply to my time. That just talks about my heart. Well, the Lord says, listen, your treasure is where your heart is. First Corinthians 16, Now, Now concerning the collection for the saints, I have given orders to the churches of Galatia. So you must do also on the first day of the week. Let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper that there be no collections when I come. And again, I've heard people say, well, listen, as a new, new Covenant believer, New Testament believer, I don't need to give that 10%. And oftentimes I say, actually, you're right. You don't give the 10%. The Lord actually wants 100%. 100% of it should belong to Him. Romans 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Notice here, which is your reasonable service. Jesus laid down his life for us. Is it unreasonable for us to say, listen, Lord, here it is. I give it all to you. Now, again, oftentimes with this, there's a cry. Well, I don't want to give. I won't give. You can't make me give. And listen, if you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not under the law. You are under grace and you are called to a place of freedom. We're not under a law. Listen, if we don't give of the Lord of our first fruits, if our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works. We can rest in the security we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We're not under a law. We're under grace. But listen, all things are lawful, but they're not all helpful, and they're not all profitable. First Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, But I will not be brought under the power of any. And the Lord said, you can't serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And if you're in the place where you're saying, listen, all things are lawful. I'm under grace, so I'm not going to give God to my first fruits. That's fine. But absolutely, you're coming to a place where you absolutely are brought under the power of mammon versus being under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's something that should be concerning. Because absolutely, in the Word of God, it talks about reaping and sowing. And again, let's put aside the people that abuse these things to fleece people's flocks. I'm not preaching this tonight to get into your wallet. We're not going to pass a bag around, but I need to declare the truth of God's Word. 2 Corinthians 9 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So that each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now again, if you're like saying, well, you know what, I want to make a formula out of this of how to get rich. That's not what this is saying here. And we're not going to start saying, if you give a dime, you'll get a dollar back. If you give 10, you'll get 100. If you give 100, you'll get a 1,000. No. But Listen. If you sow sparingly you reap sparingly and what i found true in my life is this listen it's not the more i get the more finances i get back but listen the more i trust in the lord the more i see real needs being met the more i see a work of the holy spirit of god in my life because listen we're trusting in the lord we're obeying the lord there's a empowering of the holy spirit when we are obedient to the lord there's a fruit of the holy spirit of god that's manifest when we say, let's truly seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the fullness of what the Lord is talking about there. And listen, this life is very short. It comes and it goes. This Sunday there in James, we're going to talk about where it says, you know, your life is like a vapor. I want to store up treasure eternally. And again, Matthew six nineteen, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heavens where neither moth nor rust destroys or where thieves break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So we need to take these things and consider them as they're laid out in Scripture. And we see the Lord telling those in Israelites, listen, the first of everything belongs to me. Now, again, it all belongs to him. But the Lord said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And again, all these things will be added unto you. So I want to encourage you to take that. Test it by the scripture, be led by the Lord. And listen, take steps of faith and watch the Lord meet you where you're at. Because this is the one area where he said, test me in this area. And You know what? Watch me be faithful. Watch me open up the windows of heaven and bring blessings upon you. And again, we see this concept throughout the scriptures. But in Christ, you're free. You're free in the Lord. Amen. Isn't it good to be in Jesus Christ tonight? and know you're not under a law. But how, what are you going to do with your freedom? What are you going to do with it? Verse 3, and Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought you out of this place, no leavened bread shall be eaten. So again, remember how you were brought out of bondage. And the Lord wanted them to remember they were brought out of an iron furnace where they were crying out to God, because at some points there would be confusion with the Israelites they would begin to think about the leaks that they ate and the roots that they ate and so forth, and they glamorized that iron furnace that the Lord had called them out of. Have you ever found yourself glamorizing the sin that God even used in part to bring you to Christ because you saw the death of it? Let's not fall into that place. Let's remember what it really was, bondage, that we've been brought out through faith in Jesus Christ. And again, it was by him, by the strong hand of the Lord. The Lord delivered them. They couldn't deliver themselves. We talked last week of how there was probably some, you know, three to five million Israelites there. And yet, even in their mass numbers, they could have never delivered themselves out of bondage. But the Lord delivered them by his strong hand. And the same is true for us. And again, once again, and we've seen this throughout these chapters. We'll see it more on this one. He tells them to remember that time and that no leavened bread shall be eaten when they are consecrating these things and they're celebrating the Passover and so forth. And remember, leaven is a picture of sin. He had delivered them out of Egypt to leave the thing of Egypt behind. And we have been delivered through the blood of Jesus to leave our sin behind. Listen to Romans 6, 1 through 4. It goes along with this so well. What then shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with them through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And listen in christ jesus again we're not under the law we're under grace but just because we're in grace does that mean sin abounds he says never we want to walk in the newness of life that we have in the lord jesus christ so this is a picture of this leaven cut it out don't bring the sin of egypt with you we don't want to bring the sins that christ died for us into our lives we want to get them out of our lives because they're not profitable they're not to the glory of god yes there may be temporary pleasure but soon, death follows. They don't edify the body of Christ, and they absolutely tarnish our witness to the world around us. That is, Trevor shared tonight in one of his songs, we're called to be different, amen? amen? We're called to be a peculiar people. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And when we are walking in the same things of the world, we don't look very different. Our lights don't shine. Verse 5, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give to you, a land flowing of milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Actually, I skip verse 4. On this day, you are going out in the month of Abib. So that was the second month. And then he says, listen, you shall keep this when the Lord brings you into this land. Now notice here, again, the Lord does not want them to forget the Passover, We're going to see that throughout this passage here. We see it reiterated in other places. Why? Because absolutely it was a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about that here in a second. He says, don't forget this. Absolutely, he wants them to keep the service. But notice, he says, when you go into the land of the Itites," and there's the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites, these ites. And the Lord wanted them to hear this. This was the word of the Lord because, listen, they would be out there in the wilderness pretty soon and then they go and spy that land and they say it's a land of giants, we can't take it. But the Lord told them, you're going to go in. And he didn't want them to doubt that. He had brought them out of Egypt, not for them to wander in a wilderness for 40 years, but absolutely now to go and walk in the abundance that God had for them in a land flowing, as he says here, with milk and honey. And yet they would doubt him. And a whole generation would have to pass away before they could go enter into that land. But listen, tonight, again, this is a picture of us coming to Christ. He's delivered us out of Egypt, not to walk in a wilderness, but to walk in a land of milk and honey. And that refers for us as the fruits of the Holy Spirit of God. But those fruits are manifest, listen, not when we doubt God, not when we choose willingly to disobey and to put our heels in the ground and say, I'm going to do my things my own way or follow these philosophies that are against the Scripture. But when we step out of faith and we say, yes, Lord. And listen, steps of faith always from, again, a fleshly viewpoint are intimidating. But listen, when God calls us to do something, God's going to be there with us and God's going to see us through. We need to take comfort in that. Also, again, he says, the land that I give to you, and we talk about this often, he has never recanted that promise and that deed that that land was given to Israel, and we see that in play today, as the scripture said it would be in the last days of this world wanting to divide up that land that God gave to Israel, prophetic words being fulfilled, Verse 6, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days. And then notice here, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in your quarters. So again, this was for them to remember how they left Egypt, how they ate that lamb in haste because it was the Lord's Passover. It wasn't fine dining and for them to enjoy the meal. It was, listen, you need to eat this in haste so you can get out. With no leavened bread, so you don't wait for it to rise, you get out with it. But greater than that, again, the leaven was the picture of sin. When we didn't know the Lord, we were in Egypt. We were in a place of bondage. The Lord delivered us out through his shed blood, and he delivered us out not to take the sin that we were delivered from out with us. But listen, the easiest way to fall back into sin is to keep sin laying around. And he knew the easiest way for them to put leaven in their bread was to have it laying around. They weren't supposed to eat leaven for a, for a period of time, but if they had it amongst them, if they had it in their quarters, there'd be a temptation to say, let's throw a little leaven, not a lot, we'll just throw a little leaven in here. The leaven multiplies very quickly, and this is a, a word for us tonight. As he's called us to leave those sins behind, not to walk in them, but to get our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and keep short accounts with them, let's make sure that we are not leaving sins, so sort to of speak, laying around. And temptation laying around. This is why there's phrases like this in Scripture when it comes to sin. Flee it. Avoid it. Put it away. Cast it off. Die to it. Don't set your eyes on it. Burn it and crucify it daily. That's a pretty clear message, right? And maybe tonight there's some things laying around in your life that you're not participating in, but in the back of your mind, you know it's there. I can't encourage you enough to get it out. Cast it away. Remove the temptation. Come to a place of resolve where you purpose in your heart. I'm going to serve the Lord, so I don't even want these things available. I want to even get them out of arm's reach. I don't want them before my eyes. Verse 8, and you shall tell your sons in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be assigned to you on your hand as a memorial between your eyes that the laws of that the Lord's law may be in your mouth, for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. And we're going to see this repeated here several times, and we've already looked at this beforehand, that the Lord is concerned about the children. And he says, listen, when you celebrate the Passover, you need to tell your son, this is because of what the Lord has done for me, and no doubt to also tell him, this is what the Lord will do for you. And we see two things here. Again, we see God telling them to tell their sons, this is what God's done for me. And separating, again, just because he's done it for me, that means you're part of it. Because there's too many kids that are raised through their parents' Christianity and their parents' relationship with the Lord versus having their own. So this is what the Lord's done for me, and in doing that, it's sharing with them what the Lord can do for them. And notice that the, law, the Lord's law may be in your mouth, and we need to get the word of the Lord, the law of God, the gospel in our mouths, and we need to share it with our kids. Because listen, this verse in Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him who they not believed, and how shall they believe in him who they not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher... And how shall they preach unless they're sent? But as it is written, how beautiful are the feet, the feet of those who preach the gospel to preach, who bring glad tidings of good news or good things. We so often have taken that and applied it to the mission field. But listen, let's apply this to our own home. What would your kids say about your feet? Would they say they're beautiful feet because the word of God is in your mouth, the gospel's in your mouth? Or would they say, those are the ugliest feet I've ever seen? We, see, we go to church, but they never talk about the Lord. That's our responsibility. It starts in our home. Listen, the children's ministry we do here, it's a supplement. The responsibility is on you with your children and your grandchildren and so forth to get the law of God in your mouth so you can tell them, this is what the Lord has done for me. And guess what, Junior? He'll do it for you. Verse 10. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in the seasons year after year, and it shall be when the Lord brings you in the land of the Canaanites and he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you that you shall set apart to the Lord all that the womb, that, that, that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal, which you have, the male shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck and the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Now we see the greater reasons for this. Listen, there was a minor reason that they needed to understand. Listen, the first of everything belongs to the Lord because everything belongs to the Lord. And so I want to acknowledge everything I have belongs to the Lord. He's blessed me with all this. I want to give of my first verse to the Lord to acknowledge that this is God's. But listen, the greater reason for this was the blood of a lamb had been shed to redeem them. And absolutely, Jesus Christ was coming to be the ultimate fulfillment, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Because these lambs never took away their sin. It was their faith in the ultimate fulfillment of that that took away their sin. That was the shadow. Jesus is the substance. And the Passover was a huge thing. It was a gospel presentation on, listen, a monumental stage. That they were redeemed because a lamb shed his blood for them without spot or blemish so that they would understand when Jesus Christ came and shed his blood, he was the fulfillment of that and he was and is their Messiah. Again, John one twenty nine, the Lord starting his ministry. And the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that awesome? And again, First 1 Peter 1.17, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, notice here, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but from the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's what we were redeemed with. That's how we were purchased out of the bondage of our sin. We were purchased not with silver or gold. Notice here, from our aimless conduct, there's so much that goes on that we deem as important. God says it's aimless conduct. Listen, we were redeemed not with that, but with the precious blood of Jesus. We were purchased out of sin and life through his shed blood. When we put our faith, our trust in him, we came into that place of salvation. What a glorious thing. He wanted them to see that. He wanted them to get that. That's why he told them to keep this, to tell their sons and their daughters about it. He wanted them sharing the good news with their children. Verse 14, so it shall be when your son asks you in the time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to him? Notice how graphic this is. By the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn of the land of Egypt. Both the firstborn of man, the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that open the womb. But the firstborn of my sons I redeem. We'll talk about that later on. It shall be as a sign on your hand and the frontlets between your eyes. For by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Listen, he says, share this with them and don't hold anything back. The firstborn in Egypt died. And see what people say, don't ever tell that to a child. And we took a lamb and we shed its blood and we put it over our doorposts and we were brought out by the hand of God because we obeyed him. Don't ever tell that to a child. Listen, don't hold back anything with your children when it comes to the gospel. You need to talk about sin. You need to talk about death. You need to talk about hell. You better talk about the cross, the shed blood, his resurrection, and the call to repentance and faith in him for salvation. Do not water it down. Do not hold it back. Do not think it will scar them. Do not think it will harm them. No, you know what it will do? It will save them. It will save them. And listen, we are living in a culture that wants to make, you know, everything about Jesus revolve around veggie tells and whatnot. Listen, and, and whatever, maybe that has a place. But we need to bring them truth that they would understand the weightiness of this and not take light the things of the cross. They need to have instilled in their heart a fear of god i remember as a small child a time being in the church and i don't remember much of whatever, whatever whatever of what was preached but i remember getting those jack chick tracks and in the back row looking at them and so forth and all these things were talked about and listen and instilled the fear of god in my heart that after all the years that i wandered away from the lord Listen, those tracks were one of the key things that brought me back to the Lord because I knew, I knew the truth of it. I knew when I saw those, those cartoons of people going to hell that that was a real thing. And Jesus has shed blood and the call to put faith and trust in Him. I knew that they were real, not because I had a, a, a fear of man or some you know what someone that put this together, but the Holy Spirit instilled in my heart these things are true, these things are real. And don't hold these things back from your children. Don't think, well, you know, when they're eight years old, then we'll talk to you about the gospel. No, listen. They need to hear that. They need to know that. They need to be sharing that with their friends and so forth. They need to have an understanding. These kids they know that don't know the Lord. Listen, there's an age of accountability, but if they grow up to an age and reject Christ, they're going to spend eternity separated from God. Who would not want us to share that? Maybe Satan? Verse 17, and we'll try to close this out here quickly. If we need to come back to it next week, we will. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the hand of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to God. God directed their steps. If they planned their ways, probably this is the fastest way up there through, listen, Gath and the Philistines and so forth. But the Lord had a better plan. It was the long way, but it was the Lord's way. And have you found out that oftentimes the Lord's way is the long way? But listen, be patient. Trust and obey. Know this, the godliness with contentment is of great gain. And listen, you know what shortcuts do? They bring do-overs that end end up setting you back. Verse 18, so God led the people around the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, notice here, in orderly ranks, out of the land of Egypt. God's a God of order, not a God of confusion. And yet from man's perspective, he's leading them right up to the Red Sea. And before they knew it, again, the Egyptians would go, what did we do? And would go and chase them. And the very place where the Lord would direct them, where they would say, why are we here? You know what? Surely you brought us out to kill us. That very thing where God directed them would be what God would use to baptize them into Moses' baptism as they walked through it and it would be the very thing God would use to destroy this Egyptian army, which would probably be trying to hunt them down for the next 40 years. God knows what he's doing. Maybe tonight you're saying, why am I here? Why am I at this place? God knows what he's doing. That's why we can be content. That's why he says to rejoice in all things, because God works all things for good for those that love him. And if we love him, we're going to keep his commands and are called according to his purposes. Verse 19, and Moses took the bones of Joseph with them. For he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry my bones up from here. And again, they kept their oath to the Lord. They kept their oath to Joseph We need to keep our oaths to the Lord if we make them. Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes, your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And listen, real quick, I've talked a lot about this before. If you're one that doesn't keep your word and you have a pattern of not doing that, by God's grace and strength, begin to ask him to help you and begin to be determined to keep your word and it will change your life. It used to be a word with someone's bond. We live in a culture where very few people Always keep the word. And I know sometimes, again, we have good intentions and we get in a place where we literally camp for whatever reason. But I think one of the greatest witnesses that we can be to the world around us as Christians is to be a people who keep our word even when it hurts. Even when we think it will cost us. It's more costly when we don't keep our word. Verse 20. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Itham. At the edge of the wilderness, and notice here, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by the day and night. And he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. We'll come back to this next week, but notice here, the Lord is always wanting to lead his people. What did they need to do? Just look and obey. That's it. Can obey. We open up the Word of God. Listen, we shouldn't be envious of Moses. The Lord spoke to him. There was still revelation being unfolded. We have all of it tonight. We have all of the Word of God, and the Lord is wanting to speak to us as we open the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is wanting to move in our lives and impress things upon us. Let's say yes to the Lord speaking to us. Amen. Amen. Trevor, why don't you come up and share with us? And while you're coming up, I'm going to close in prayer. Let Trevor closes out then with a song and encourage you to stick around. And I know he's going to be at the table out there. I know he'd love to fellowship with you and talk to you a bit and so forth and encourage you again to, you know, I know some of you got to take off, but, but listen, it's good to be in the house of the Lord and it's good to fellowship with one another. Lord God, we bless you. We praise you. We just thank you for you. We thank you for your word. Jesus, we can't thank you enough that you shed your blood that we could have forgiveness of our sin and the assurance of eternal life by grace through faith in you. And if you're here tonight and you haven't called upon Christ, listen, the bad news is that, again, in our sin, we are under God's wrath and condemnation. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. doesn't matter if you're the worst person ever to walk on the face of the earth or you think you're the best. In and of yourself, you're in sin and you're under the condemnation and wrath of God. The good news is that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life He shed his blood so you could be redeemed, you could be purchased out of sin into life because he defeated sin, death, and Satan when he hung on the cross and he rose from the grave. The word of God says, whoever, whoever, there's no partiality with God, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. That means you're asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And for that to be the case in sincerity and truth, that means you have to repent and turn from whatever your Lord is. And we all had a Lord. That means you're saying, I want you to govern my life, be my God. I, I, I open my heart to the truth of your word. I want you to be my Lord. You call on him tonight. You call on him right now in truth and sincerity. He will meet you where you are. He will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will begin a good work, and he will be faithful to complete it. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We pray these things tonight in Jesus' name, and we said together, Amen. Amen.
1: some stuff in there about remembering and uh, two years ago i come home at the end of the year and you just the adrenaline all stops and you wonder why why do I sing why do I travel and and other people why do I live this life as a Christian and then God meets us right at the lowest and he shows us we remember again (laughs) If I hadn't found the Lord I'd still be out there running Looking for some dream you just can't find But he gave me a song The one that I'm now strumming Everything about my life got realigned As my world turned on a dime I knew there was something missing, but I wasn't sure just what. And I'd heard that religion turned you into one big nut. And what about those greedy preachers on TV? Trying to say that two plus two is three. One was gonna change me to some Bible-thumpin' fool But I'd heard about that sort of thing and it didn't sound too cool <laughs> I sang the wrong line, how's that for you? Try, I'm tired, <laughs> two plus two is three Then I met a man of the cloth in a backwoods country church A kind and gentle fella And his sermons weren't rehearsed He said that Jesus was his dearest friend That's the night that my road took a bend If I hadn't found the Lord Still be out there running, looking for some dream you just can't find. But he gave me a song, the one that I'm now strumming. Everything about my life got realigned as my world turned on a dime. And now I'm telling others. But this dearest friend is mine And even if there's just a few who want to listen That's just fine It was like that even in the Bible days Most prefer this world in all its ways But just think what will happen To the ones that will look up they find what they could never get From money, fame, or luck The inventors of today think they're so smart But only God can make a brand new heart So where are you today? And what's your life about? Are you screaming down the highway? Looking for another route? I know a road that will give you peace inside And all you've got to do is ditch your pride Cause if you find the Lord You won't be out there running Looking for some dream you'll never find He'll give you a song Like the one that I'm now strumming Everything about your life will get realigned As your world turns on a dime Everything about your life will get realigned As your world turns on a dime